0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with a WWE Money in the Bank Instant Analysis Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. Isn't this the Money in the Bank Edition? It is indeed, Riddle. We are here to break down everything that happened on WWE Money in the Bank, the final premium live event before a three-show stadium tour beginning in Nashville, Tennessee, going to the United Kingdom, and then, unfortunately, yes, Saudi Arabia. But Money in the Bank, I will give you a slight spoiler here, delivered, perhaps even exceeded expectations on Saturday night from Las Vegas, the Silver King, vintage Chris Benini. We are both here to break down the entire show. A reminder off the top, because this is an instant analysis podcast and we try to get right to the action that this show getting over. So please, at this point, stop making me ask. Stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Be marks for the Silver King for Vintage. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating for us on Apple. Also leave a review. The reviews are so important. Tell everyone why you love the show and why they should subscribe. We read all five-star ratings and reviews on this podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We had one of our best live shows on Twitter spaces, a pre-show leading into Money in the Bank. And we also, not only do we tweet out our shows and we tweet during all the major pay-per-views and TV shows, but we post polls that way you guys get the opportunity to interact and have your voice heard on the show. We also take your tweets and DMs, we read them live on the air. We will be doing that later in this program. For these very special instant analysis additions, though, we take this one step further. It's almost always late at night. The Silver King, Vintage, we're both tired. So we try to perk ourselves up with a cold one. And the Silver King tonight is popping a Candy Maker Peanut Butter Stout from Widowmaker Brewing. In Braintree, Massachusetts. A lot of things that I've never said before in that sentence. I am not a Massachusetts person. For all of you who know me a little bit better, I am a New York Yankees fan. Uh, So having this beer tonight, you know, not feeling great about it. But Chris, what do you have over there? By the way, welcome to the show. And uh, what are you popping?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm back here in Texas, finally at home. Not not in Canada, not in my parents' basement. And I finally, after a couple of pay-per-views without one, I do... Have a beer here with me. Spotted Cow, a uh, pretty famous one over in there, up there in the Midwest, from uh, New Glarus Brewing Company in Wisconsin.
0: Is it like a milk stout? What is it? A Spotted Cow?
1: Uh, it's an ale. I'm not oh, okay. a, uh, I'm not a uh, detailed uh, beer enthusiast, but uh, but well, yeah, if it's called it, Spotted
0: it's, Cow. I would think it would have lactose. It, it,
1: and, it's you know. an ale. I just remember. I just remember a lot of people in college and back when I lived up in Michigan drinking it. I opened the fridge and this was there. I think uh, my wife got it. So, that's what I'm drinking.
0: Gotcha. All right. Well, we are both uh I mean, I was going to say inebriated. We're not inebriated. We are we are imbibing a little bit. We're, we're getting our drink on as the show uh begins and, and we welcome you all to it. Um look, uh we have a lot to talk about from money in the bank. We also unfortunately to some degree have a lot to talk about before money in the bank because between what happened on Smackdown Friday night and what we got in the main event of Money in the Bank, and about to hit the fan. a lot of shit hit the fan between Friday and Saturday, and I don't necessarily mean all of that in a negative way. But point is, we have plenty to discuss. So, Chris, if it's okay with you, and if it's okay with our neighbors, who apparently both have been setting fireworks off all night long, despite it not yet being July Fourth, uh, let's go ahead and move into our WWE money in the bank, instant analysis. Now we always start this instant analysis by reflecting back on our pre-show grades. Then we go ahead, break everything down, usually starting with the main event through the other really big matches on the show. And then of course we wrap up at the end with our post-show grade. So a reminder for everyone, Chris, who was not on our ultimate preview, he was traveling, uh, he was in Canada and then Detroit. uh, He and I both agreed that we had a B grade for this premium live event going in. And you, the listeners, you got to vote in our pre-show poll on Twitter. 11% came back A, 69% B, hey now, 16% C, and 3% D to F. So that's a flat B as far as I'm concerned. I I don't think it could be any more clear, right, Chris?
1: Yeah, that's a B. I think we all kind of felt the same coming in. We talked about the pre-show that they were lacking big stars on this show. And so, uh, yeah, it makes sense for everybody to be around there.
0: Yeah, really quick, just before we kind of get into the entire thing, because I did send this tweet out and I, I think it's worthwhile to kind of go over right before the show here. But these are the following talents who were not on Money in the Bank tonight and for a variety of different reasons. But Roman Reigns, the Undisputed Champion, Randy Orton injured, Ricochet, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Edge, Kevin Owens injured, New Day, Rey Mysterio, Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion. Shinsuke Nakamura, Rhea Ripley injured, Charlotte Flair off on vacation break, whatever. Bailey injured TBD. And then, of course, Sasha Banks and Naomi. So obviously, WWE can't have everyone on a card. But for what's been a big five pay-per-view premium live event, to have all of those names not on the show, we came into this kind of saying, look, WWE, their live events frequently exceed expectations. Expectations for this card were very low. I think you and I both gave them benefit of the doubt, giving it a big.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this was supposed to be a stadium show. It was supposed to have a Roman Reigns match, you know, and once it became clear it was going to be at MGM, uh, they very much pulled the plug on, I think, a lot of things with that. And uh, it was evident in the card.
0: It was. So let's start with the main event. We will work our way down the card from there. As I kind of alluded to at the start, so much shit went down on SmackDown that pertained to the main event of the show. We have to go over it before we get into it. I will try to do it as quickly as I possibly can without missing anything, okay? So on SmackDown, everyone was on ladders cutting promos. Rollins said they all agreed cashing in after the main event of SummerSlam was the best case scenario. Miz, Ezekiel, Happy Corbin, and Mad Cat Moss also wanted to be in the match. So Adam Pierce announced a battle royal for some reason. Not, I repeat, not a Money in the Bank qualifier. So we got a battle royal with the 10 people in the ring in the match. Yes, including those in the Money in the Bank match already. They called it a good old-fashioned battle royal 10 times. We'll get back to that. Omos eliminated three of the four people not already in the match, which made this an eye roll. Rollins eliminated himself rather than fight Omas, and why not? It was meaningless to him. Corbin eliminated Sheamus and Drew, and he got the win. It was actually a pretty decent battle royal. Corbin celebrated backstage until he was asked about Pat McAfee's challenge. For SummerSlam, he went silent. And then a bit later, the same four guys not in Money in the Bank argued because they still wanted to be in the match. And Pierce made a fatal four-way. So when I talk, Chris, about WWE being creatively bankrupt, this is the shit I'm talking about. Like, it was absurd to do a 10-man battle royal on its own, let alone one week after they did a 16-man battle royal. It was absurd to include people in the Money in the Bank match in the battle royal. And it was absurd to have it for absolutely nothing. Corbin won and got zero
1: out of it. Yeah, you you were, I was confused. I i was like, is this for the last spot in the Money in the Bank or no? Because you would assume
0: it, well, if they're doing it on the show.
1: <laughs> talking about people who want to be in the match, yes, but you also had people in the match in it. So I was like, what happens if Seth Rollins wins? Is there nobody? I don't know. And I couldn't help but think um, that same night after SmackDown, AEW had a battle royal that was already taped. I was gonna say this. Uh, yeah. It would, which created a number one contender for John Moxley. And uh it was a very good battle royal. And it, it it was uh so I don't know if WWE I don't think they did this because they wanted to take a shine off of a battle royal that AEW did, but it was just noticeable for that to happen. And yes, this ultimately was. It, it, it was it was a battle royal that meant nothing. It was so weird.
0: Well, that's exactly... The second thing you said is the point. Like, in terms of the good old-fashioned battle royal title, I have to assume WWE did it and said it that way because of AEW, they had the Royal Rampage match scheduled, which, by the way, spoiler alert, didn't like at all. I liked the winner, but I didn't like the match. I liked it, but... I, I didn't like it. Uh, but otherwise, there's no booking justification for them doing this. But even beyond that, why would they care? Why would they give a shit that AEW was having a Royal Rampage Battle Royal match and, and then go and change the booking of their show to slight them because of it? Like, it was just nonsensical. I, I couldn't understand it.
1: Yeah, I, look, a, WWE's bill the last few weeks, there have been a lot of things that make no sense. There have been a lot of things that get retconned and changed and... I, you know, I don't know if this is because of what Vince McMahon's got going on and he's still in control of creative. I don't know. But it, it it seems like more than usual, they're just completely stopping things that they were doing. They're changing it. They're bringing something back, repeating things. It's very strange.
0: Vince stepping away from creative, though, it would make theoretically make things make more sense, not less.
1: I mean, I, I don't advanced. know. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's just it's been weird.
0: Okay. So, uh, then let's go ahead and talk about the fatal four way really quick, and then we'll get into this whole thing. Uh, Moss hit a punchline on Corbin for a broken fall. Miz hit skull crushing finale on Zeke for a broken fall. Corbin then hit end of days on Zeke. Moss threw him into the post and covered Zeke to advance, and he got a nice pop. So these might have been Chris, the four most boring fatal four way competitors of all time. Like, <laughs> if the answer to the question, which of these men will qualify for money in the bank, if the answer to that is, does doesn't it matter? It's not a good booking. Like, we mentioned all the people who weren't in this. Ricochet, Styles, Balor, Kofi, Xavier Woods, or anyone else that could have added excitement to Money in the Bank. I have to believe Kevin Owens was supposed to be in this match. I was happy for Moss, but it just, it didn't feel like something
1: that made a lot of sense. Well, when they when you had a mystery person to be in, you thought, oh, they're going to keep it a secret and reveal it at the show, something to look forward to. And instead, they give you, you know, that, Final person in the least interesting way possible. And as we'll get into the Money in the Bank match, made it even more unnecessary that you did this whole thing on SmackDown.
0: Completely unnecessary. Okay, so let's just go ahead and move to Money in the Bank. So this, of course, the men's Money in the Bank match was the main event. Before the bell, Pierce came out on a mic and added an eighth man to the match. Fans got excited that it would be one of those names that I just mentioned or maybe even despite it making no sense, Cody Rhodes, right? Like, because of that talk and he did the interview on Raw, it would make sense. But instead of any of those really, really exciting people, it was Theory. Presumably due to Mr. McMahon's influence. Now, Theory had a match earlier in the show with Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. I don't want to go into that before this because I don't want you guys to start the show off, you know, without the biggest moment. So after Men's Money in the Bank, we will go ahead and talk about the United States Championship match. But when Theory got announced, it was a loud chorus of extended boos. Theory certainly didn't pop me, but it did, Chris, add another small guy to take bumps and I thought do high risk moves. So at the time, even though I wasn't like jovial and really excited about it, I did think it was a solid ad that made complete sense in KFA. Kind of.
1: I thought it was going to be John Cena. I That that was my initial thought, especially with Pierce's waiting, waiting for the big reveal. And then when you find out it's theory, I was like, oh, OK, I guess this makes sense. However, if you were going to do this. Why not just leave that mystery spot exactly. open and make it theory? <laughs> like, yep. What was the point of this whole exercise of and a mystery final person Also, and another person at the last second, it was just like it made it made everything that happened on SmackDown even less relevant. Well, Chris,
0: think about this on Monday Night Raw. They did a last chance qualifier. Then it was supposed to be after that Kevin Owens against Ezekiel. They canceled that match. Then they did a last chance qualifier on SmackDown that they extended all show, as we just described. And then they added an additional person to the match, which, by the way, had eight people when the women had seven. So they had three basically last chance people joining this match.
1: Yeah, it was it was unnecessary, especially considering they'd only finalized uh, most of the card like the week prior. Like it was very late putting these cards together. There was no story into any of these Money in the Bank uh, members.
0: Okay, so finally Theory gets in the ring. The bell rings. And I will say this. Omos looked maybe the best he has ever looked, period, on the main roster. At the beginning of this match, taking everyone out with fists, feet, using ladders for like two minutes straight, and then McIntyre knocks him out of the ring with a claymore. Drew and Sheamus took turns beating Theory. Omos dominated again before he got drilled with ladders and piled under 10 of them outside. Moss powerbombed Sammy off a ladder into another one, laying horizontal in the corner. McIntyre got both hands on the hook, but he ate white noise from Sheamus. Riddle dodged a bro kick, catching Sheamus' foot on the rung and then hitting a draping DDT. He scaled the ladder and hit a floating bro from the top of the super tall ladder Oof. onto five guys It got a massive pop. Omas like respawned and cleaned house again, hitting Theory with his finisher off a ladder. Zayn caught Omas with a huluva kick. Riddle did a triangle over the ropes. McIntyre hit Glasgow kiss outside. Rollins then did a stomp on the apron. Then f- six different guys teamed up to clear the announce table and do a six-man shield style powerbomb through the table. It was here in this moment that I knew I was wrong. Omas totally belonged in this match. Okay? <laughs> wow, look I can admit that. Hey, I can admit it's it's rare that the Silver King's wrong, but when I am, I ha- I will happily admit it. This was a great spot. This is a spot that will be on highlight packages forever. It's
1: exactly what you do with the big guy in money in the bank. It that, is. that's, that's a, you, you get everybody to gang up on him, you let him look big. You throw him through a table and then that's it. And yep. that's all it needed to be. Good
0: job. And it was, he had three different moments where he looked good and then got taken out. And it mm-hmm. took multiple people to do it. So he stayed strong. It was very good booking of Omas. Uh, so then after this, Sheamus ate a future shock DDT. McIntyre put a ladder on his throat and got hands on the briefcase. When Butch ran in and jumped on his back, Sheamus repeated the ladder spot and got to the top. When McIntyre pushed the ladder off his chest, Sheamus just kind of fell. And then Butch ate a claymore to a huge pop. Sammy then pushed both of them off a ladder with their heads slamming into another one that was laid across the top rope. Zane climbed to the very top. Moss pushed him off. Rollins pushed Moss off and hit a stomp. Riddle then put a huge ladder next to the smaller one. And you knew what was coming next. Riddle ran up to the top, got knocked off, climbed to the top again, and hit a huge super RKO from the heavens onto Rollins for another big pop. Theory then ran up the ladder with Riddle on top, they battled, and then he pushed Riddle off and won money in the bank in about 30 minutes. I missed the exact time. Uh, Then Theory grabbed his phone and took a selfie atop the ladder as fans booed heavily. So let's start with the match and then we'll talk about Theory. As far as the match goes, it completely exceeded my expectations. It still did lack some high-flying spots but there were enough big moments that delivered. The women's match we'll talk about in a little bit. It was a botch fest, which was really disappointing. I don't know of more than maybe one time in this match that something didn't go right. It was just nailed every single moment. Omas was indeed one of the MVPs of the match, but it was clearly Riddle who stole the show once again. He is as over as can be. Most disappointing for me, Chris, was how little we got from Rollins throughout the Mm -hmm. entire thing. Like, what is it going to take for this guy to be relevant in like a world championship picture where he's winning stuff again? It's been years now. So for a match grade, I'm going to go 4.25 stars and an A. I might on a rewatch go 4.5. It was an A match either way. It was very well done. Like I said, we'll talk about theory in a moment, but let me get you in here to talk about the match.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was solid. I I enjoyed it. Probably probably four point if I was grading it. Um, you know, with with the money in the bank matches, largely a big part of it is how many how many moments or spots were there that you're gonna remember. And as we're sitting here a little bit after it went off the air, the ones I remember are the Omos table spot, the Super RKO. And I guess Drew McIntyre pushing up the ladder, which I think we've seen that before. We have. Was Was that Cena? We've
0: seen it many times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like nothing that was like crazy or, or something like that. So, you know, it's 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 probably not a match I go back and watch. But everything they did, like you said, they executed it pretty well in a match that is very difficult
0: to Very, execute, as we saw earlier in the show,
1: yeah. So it definitely exceeded expectations, but it didn't blow me away either.
0: No, no, it it was not next level by any. We, there have been far better men's Money in the Bank matches. Yeah, and a, a large reason for that is the composition of the match. The people who right. were not in it. You replace Madcap Moss with Ricochet. It's <laughs> and the match is night and day. I promise mm-hmm. you, it's a completely different match. You throw Ricochet or AJ Styles or Finn Balor. Or Xavier Woods. Like, I can keep naming them. You know? Um, Mm -hmm. And again, even with Omos, like, he ended up doing a really good job. But you question, well, what if they had replaced both of them with smaller guys? And guys who can jump and leap and take risks. So, whatever. All right. so let's get to the actual winner and and all this type of stuff. Regarding theory. So, the insertion of theory in the the match, and I said this at the beginning, it made, to me, complete storyline kayfabe sense. But, Having him win, it was just deflating and disappointing. Now, I do believe many of the people who are screaming about this and are really upset over it, someone, I think it was uh, Tommy Takeover, one of the guys who's a very long-time listener, and I'm not calling you out, Tommy. Like A lot of people felt like you did. He goes, the finish ruined what was a high B show for me, knocked it down a full letter. I personally believe that's ridiculous, okay? You are allowed to be angry, but if you are substantially angry where you think this ruined the show, then I'm not this person. I don't say this on the podcast. You're getting worked like the point is you are supposed to hate this. You are not (laughs) supposed to like theory. You are not supposed to want him to be Mr. Money in the Bank. You should want Drew McIntyre or Riddle, those two primarily as baby faces to win the match. You may not like the fact that Theory won. You shouldn't like that he got inserted last minute because Mr. McMahon wanted him to because that's the storyline. However, however, outside of kayfabe, I don't believe it was a good decision. And I have numerous reasons for that. For one thing, if he was in the match from the beginning, you know, I'd probably be more accepting of it. But this was the second time, Chris, in four years, which is a very short window, that someone who was not announced for the match won the Money in the Bank briefcase on the pay-per-view. And it was the third time in four years that someone won the briefcase who wasn't in the match initially. Ms. beat Omas and took the briefcase after he had won it. But what makes this worse is two things. Number Otis,
1: one. You mean Ms. beat Otis.
0: What did I say? Omas? Yes. Yes, Otis. I'm sorry. Uh four letter O names. They're, they're, you know. It's going to happen, especially at midnight Eastern. Anyway, uh, what made this worse were, were two things in particular. One, Theory was the least believable option out of the field as someone who could actually beat Roman Reigns. Yes. Two, it's way too early in his career for Theory to get a win like this. He's just not ready for it. Now, I say that going back to my tenets of what is best for money in the bank. He is a younger person who is going to get a push, check. I have to believe he's going to hold the briefcase for a significant period of time, given his character. It makes sense for that character to have the briefcase for a while. So theoretically that should develop storylines and be used to help improve him as a talent, check. But it fails the last tenant, which is that it's someone who is ready to be made champion. He's just not there yet. So while I don't necessarily hate him winning in a vacuum, given the context of the entire situation, I think it was an extremely poor decision when so many other people could have benefited from it, but been more legitimate threats to take the championship off Reigns.
1: I disagree, but I'm of two different minds. One, like you said, hey, we got a new young up-and-coming guy winning money in the bank. That's Uh what it's for. That's what it should be. He is a heel. This is always better as a heel gimmick. I think he's got a great future with the company. I think there's a lot to like about him. The problem is he does. He does not seem deserving yet. He is not somebody any of us believe could beat Brock uh, Roman Reigns. We saw him against Brock Lesnar in Elimination Chamber. He got thrown around like a child. So, that is a problem. He's not there yet. Correct. But I think you, it, it, honestly, and honestly, I don't think he's been, he has not been built up well. He was U S champion coming into this, but he'd only beaten like two people or something like that. He was not racking up wins. He was not looking good. This guy loses a lot. And he lost earlier on this show. You know, he, he, he lost to Pat McAfee at uh WrestleMania. So like, he he was he's 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 an up and coming guy, but he's not up and coming in kayfabe, kinda like, right. like he's not built to that level. So, and that's not on him. That's on WWE and the way they booked him. So I do think you can take the next six, seven, eight months and get him there. Do I have faith in WWE's ability to do that? I don't know. I think about. Seth Rollins, you know, w- w- when he was money in the bank and he obviously lost earlier in that WrestleMania before he won the world championship, but he had been in a dominant faction with the shield. He had been a tag team champion. He had exactly. he had a, a a resume with him. So by the time he cashed in, even though he lost earlier in that show, you believed he could win that championship and he w- he was a guy you could crown as the next big thing. Theory is not there yet. He can get there still, but WWE's going to really have to change how they book him. He can't just be selfie guy, does weaselly things, and that's it. That's not a character. That's a caricature. He's got to be more. And so uh, overall, I like him winning. When they threw him in, I knew he was winning right away, because <laughs> right, I was like right. it makes too much sense. It makes perfect sense for him to be that guy, so they have work to do, but overall, I do like him winning. look, we talk about they gotta get new, new young guys do some different things. that's what this is, but there's there's work to go.
0: Why did you say at the beginning you disagreed with me when you, everything you said was exactly what I said, like well, in a positive you, way you you, you overall you, uh, thumbs up or thumbs
1: down for him winning
0: thumbs in the middle i, I no, it's not be- my no 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 no, because it is it's not well, my that's choice. Where I, that, well
1: then that's where i disagree i, I okay. i'm on board with it but okay. i understand the criticism of him not being there yet i have no pro- let, me, let me clarify i have
0: no yeah. problem with them choosing him to win money in the bank i have a problem with the way they went about it i don't have right. a problem with him holding the briefcase
1: yeah okay yeah, that, that, that that's
0: everyone states wwe you said this does not push new stars. Everyone is old. It's the same people. They're trying to push a new star. They're doing it with multiple people right now. And some of them are absurd characters, Madcap Boss and Ezekiel. But Mm -hmm. they're over like shit. Theory is getting massive heel heat. He got massive heel heat in the Bobby Lashley match earlier in the show. When he walked out to get added to the match, he got massive heel heat. And no,
1: it's not go away heat. People are not supposed to like this guy, right? And it's working. Yeah, people on Twitter think it's go think it's go away heat. It's not. It's not. It's not. The the WWE crowd is different. This is not. This is not 2015 like anymore. Just like if you go to shows, it's it it, the crowd is largely bought into the story they're trying to sell, and that is people booing Austin. Go
0: away heat was you know go away heat is I should say. It's, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this again. It's what happened with Roman Reigns' book. Right. This is heel heat. People hate him. This crowd, this Las Vegas crowd, we we didn't talk about it off the top, was incredible for almost the entire show. So their reactions, both positive and negative, were indicative of how they actually felt. They weren't giving this guy go away heat. They're like, this shit bag, they're putting him in the match. And then this shit bag just won. He beat Riddle. He knocked our favorite guy off. Why do you think Riddle was the one up there at the end with him? If it was go away heat, they wouldn't have done it that way, right? And then they would be surprised by this result. This is what they wanted. Again, I for me, if I'm booking the damn territory, I'm not picking theory or I'm not booking theory to win this match. But do I, hate I am, that they I did? I am.
1: I That's why I disagree.
0: You would have you booked him over Rollins, over McIntyre, over Riddle. Yeah,
1: I think it makes you sense. You would have
0: chosen him. Uh, okay. I'm... <laughs> Well, no, I would have chosen Rollins. Okay, so that's what but I'm saying. I would not have booked Theory. That's it. That's But right. I don't hate it. Yeah. That's it. That's what I'm saying. I, I saw people, Chris, calling this the worst Money in the Bank winner ever. It is what? so far from the truth. Like We've had Otis, so many
1: bad ones recently.
0: Otis won Money I in did, the Bank. I and Otis. Yeah, and you were wrong, and you know you were wrong. Damian Sandow. Damian Sandow, Sandow won Money in the Bank. Brock, Brock, Lesnar, Brock Lesnar Despite the Brock party being awesome it it ended up being fun you know with him carrying the briefcase he literally entered at the last minute when Mustafa Ali yes. was on top of the ladder yes. and won
1: that was That worse.
0: may have been a little bit of go away heat okay but it was it was really heel heat anyway There Baron Corbin won I liked him as winner a lot of other people didn't so please spare me that theory's the worst he's
1: not top 3 worst
0: for the men of all time not even close that's,
1: Yeah, that's you got to make sure it's not it. You got to make sure theory does not become Baron Corbin,
0: correct? Correct.
1: We think Baron Corbin's really talented, we think WWE handles him extremely poorly. That I think they've been okay with how they've handled Austin Theory, not great.
0: What I do think, though, Chris, is while he's not Otis and he's not Damian Sandow as a winner, I do think theory will be alongside them and Baron Corbin as cash in failures, given. They keep repeating the 85% success rate and Roman Reigns is champion. I mean, again, we keep talking about like Reigns finally putting someone over, uh, someone young, hopefully to make a star, but it doesn't feel like they're going to do that heel versus heel. Mr. McMahon's protege beating Reigns. I can't imagine that would be the booking. So again, that's part of my problem with it. It's not a believable person to beat Reigns. And for those reasons... It's annoying unless unless their plan is they gave him money in the bank, Chris, and he is going to cash in after SummerSlam, and he's a transitional champion, and that's what they book. But I I cannot imagine them
1: doing that. No, I, I, by the way, if he cashes in and fails, then he's on the Corbin route because on the track, on the Corbin track. Yes. Yeah. Because Corbin unsuccessfully tried to cash in on gender back in the day. (laughs) But. No, th- th- this has to go at least six months. Yes, especially yes. since you used a women's one in the show. Y- you got this is his thing now. Like. We're done with selfies. We're, I mean, you can do selfies, but like his defining characteristic as a character has to be. I'm trying to figure out how I can become champion. That's what this is supposed to be. Take you. You've got time with it now. You can do a ton of things with the briefcase. Um. You, you got to give this time. This can't be SummerSlam. This can't be. He tries him three times and can't cash in. You got to. You yeah. got to have. An, you By giving him this now, you have to know already what the end is. You hope that was yeah. the problem with Otis is that they didn't know what to do with it. I was OK with that at the time because I thought there were things you could do. They didn't do anything. So you had to take it off. You have to know now what you're doing with him. You can't figure this out four months from now
0: yeah i mean look he can hold it past you know it's it's a year long so yeah. he can hold it past wrestlemania so if cody rhodes beats roman reigns or if reigns drops the titles beforehand or they get split beforehand there legitimately is no rush and given no, no spoiler given what happened or what is happening with the other money in the bank briefcase to have one that is on television consistently for a long period of time historically that hasn't been the case uh, much for the men, really, and women recently, but never the women. Um, it's that's a positive thing if they actually go in that direction. So I'm I'm not shitting on this yet. Again, I wouldn't have booked it this way, um, but even people kind of saying, "Well, if you wanted Theory to win, why would you put him in the match at the last minute?" Well, because that's what the story. He had a championship, and <laughs> the storyline had to dictate it this way. Like that was the whole point. Like you can't be met. You can't love. Becky Lynch losing the Raw women's title, I think. Maybe it was SmackDown, to Asuka at Royal Rumble, inserting herself in the Royal Rumble match and winning the Royal Rumble, and then hate it when it's theory because he's a heel. It's the correct. same I, booking.
1: Correct. Correct. Exactly. Also it's identical. Unrelated. It literally is yeah. identical. Yeah. I, I'm fine. By the way, as we're recording this, uh, reports that uh, Nick Khan, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Pat McAfee just showed up at UFC 276. So in case you thought there was any uh, bad blood uh, among the companies about doing two shows in the same uh, city at the same night, uh, not the case. <laughs>
0: That's uh, astonishing, given they had a stadium show booked originally across from it. But... Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, overall, like I uh, you're you're again, you you said it. Well, you're supposed to hate theory. Look, it, it's not he's not MJF level of no. like no, knows no, no. how to be a good heel, but they gave it to a young guy. They gave it to a heel. I really like the potential of this. Yep. I'm I'm so, so on my confidence in their ability to pull it off.
0: I totally agree. I want, I do want, we had a lot of messages about this. I want to read some of them and we can react a little bit Uh, and then we'll get to the rest of the show. We'll do it as quick as we can. Eldred Ryan at Acme Tunes. I'm not mad at Theory winning because he's a young up and comer and that's what we've been asking WWE to do, right? Get behind a young talent. However, I agree everyone else that, Seth would have been money, pun intended, with that money in the bank. Again, I, I agree. I just think we got so little Seth in this match. It seems like they're setting up a Seth Rollins and Riddle feud, which, by the way, would be great. But, like, yeah, we got no Rollins in this match.
1: Yeah, that that was... um, It was weird. Like, uh, until he did, like, the stomp on uh, the, the, the push off of Moss, where mm-hmm. Moss almost got his leg caught in the other ladder when he fell, and then he had to do the stomp with his... Outside leg because of where the ladders were positioned. I barely remember Seth in this match. Look, He's, if Seth had if Seth had won, we would instantly be thinking, "Hey, the next time Roman shows up on TV, we might get a cash in." It would definitely be more exciting in the short term, and the possibilities for SummerSlam and all these other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that. That's why we that's why we initially picked him. We picked him, yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, just for the, all I remember of him in the entire match was taking the RKO delivering the stomp and directing the shield powerbomb. Like, that's all he did. And he Mm -hmm. was the star. He was the number one guy in the entire match. That was disappointing. Sports and Reality TV at Sports Reality TV. He said, at least this edition made storyline character sense. Theory is a perfect MITB winner to me. I like a heel carrying the briefcase and Theory has been money with everything they've given him so far. Wrestling Twitter is always so weird after events end with actual (laughs) hated heels winning. It's like they work themselves. Like, we're supposed to be pissed he won and Riddle lost. All of a sudden, there's all this theory hate like he's terrible or something. Yeah, he's not terrible. He's very good. But is he ready? Was he ready for this? I think most of us agree, at least you and I, He, you know, when Rollins won, he had been built up to this point. Theory isn't. Yeah. He's not there yet. So that's why it was strange. Uh, Jordan at LSU Jordan 45. Don't love it. Not really sure what the story is with Theory having the briefcase and Roman with both titles. Unless he cashes in unsuccessfully at SummerSlam or waits until Cody or Drew beat Roman. So much storytelling could have happened with Seth as Mr. Money in the Bank. I think it's the disappointment from people of who didn't win. Yeah. Like, Rollins not winning, that character having the briefcase, we thought he and Becky Lynch might have the briefcases and run rampant, run wild with it. Didn't really happen. Um, anything you want to add
1: to that? Yeah, no, that 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 that, that makes sense. I think, okay. I, like I said, Seth winning would have provided so many different opportunities here in the short term of what could happen yeah. it could really shake things up theory doesn't shake things up and i get not being happy about that but i do think it provides more options down the road um and also i said this on the pre show but i don't want roman's reign to end with a cash in like that would be otherwise what was the point of 2 years of being the champion right so theory theory winning it Kind of, I think, secures that that's probably not going to happen.
0: Anthony Brown at Anthony Brown underscore junior. No one knows how to tune out their fans and send people home pissed off better than WWE. I I mean, I just again, fans leaving angry that Theory 1 is okay. He's a heel.
1: I I just think people are getting too upset about it. It's weird. I'm happy. I mean, potential. There's potential here. Like, you just got a lot of DMs about it. People are upset. We're about talking it. about it. It's people are gonna, Monday night. It's going to be a topic. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, there is opportunity here to really do something with him based on this. And he like this is not Roman Reigns in the past yeah. when we didn't want him to win. And he was the face. There he's the heel. So, like, they're they, they can do they got to do something with this on Monday.
0: I mean, everyone criticizes WWE. I feel like I vociferously uh, 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 shit on WWE, like on this podcast. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's fine. And I'm telling you, people are getting worked here. So everyone calm down a little bit. JL3 at D underscore Goonies. Like someone said in the other tweet, folks bitch and complain about young folks not getting pushed and featured. But when they do, finally, y'all still complain because it's not your guy. LOL. I wanted Seth or Sammy to win, but I'm perfectly fine with a young heel winning it. Easy A for me. I guess that's his show grade. Uh, If theory fails to cash in, then it'd become an issue. Something I can see happening. Yeah. Also, could see him putting the case on the line against Cena. That way, Cena gets to seventeen or whatever number that is. That is interesting. He puts the case on the line against Cena at WrestleMania. Hey, at WrestleMania, that that's a pretty interesting uh, booking right there. Cena wins, Roman I'm, retains. I'm, I'm, Cena I'm, cashes I'm, in on
1: Reigns. I mean, I'm doing the like I'm, doing, I'm I'm doing the Brian Windhorst
0: meme <laughs> thinking right now. <laughs> yeah, about, hey, um, why is hmm, that? interesting? Well, I wonder what that's going to be. Yeah, all right. So let, we got plenty more to talk about. We we went ad nauseum on theory winning Money in the Bank. Well, let's talk about him losing the United States Championship. Uh, we had theory against Lashley. Lashley got extremely loud chants for during yeah. this match, especially at the bell. Theory stopped the helicopter, threw Lashley into the post, hit a shoulder tackle into the barricade. Lashley tripped, catching Theory flying onto his shoulders. He recovered, hit a helicopter. He stopped Theory's seated Spanish fly, escaped a sleeper, and bludgeoned the champion. Then Lashley caught Theory trying his rolling dropkick with two hands, midair, and hit a power slam for a 2.5. Every single thing Lashley did got a massive pop. Theory avoided a flatliner, then tripped Lashley into the middle turnbuckle and hit his rolling dropkick for a two count. Lashley slipped out of A-Town down and tried the same collar clutch pinfall that he won with on Raw. Theory escaped it and raked his eyes. Then he hit Lashley with his own spear, but Lashley slid out of A-Town down, put Theory into the hurt lock, and won the United States Championship via submission in 11 minutes. Lashley was bleeding from the mouth while celebrating. Theory was beside himself at ringside. The fan reaction to Lashley every step of this match, it was kind of astounding Las Vegas was an immense crowd all night and it sold this win and Lashley as major big time deals. Lashley, of course, was the right winner to give Raw a main event champion with Roman Reigns holding the undisputed titles and never showing up on Monday nights. And this match exceeded my expectations, maybe because of the fan response. I enjoyed what these guys did bell to bell. It was a great big man, small man match, and it did not rely on the trite trope of Big guy dominates small guy until the very end. And then one of them wins. I enjoyed the way this was put together. I went 3.75 stars and a B plus.
1: If you don't believe in theory's ability, this match should show you why they love him. Yep. He was great in this. Like, like, like he wasn't just Weasley heel, whatever, trying to escape the whole time. Like, He was in this. This was really fun between these two. I I thought this was a great match. I'd love like this is a match. I'd love them to run back at some point. I thought they worked together together really well. Um, And there was a line Corey Graves said uh, where commentary was talking about theory, putting him down or something like that. And Corey goes, you got you guys talk about theory like he's some scrawny punk. He's one of the most jacked dudes I know. I was like. Yeah, that's true. He's he is just, pretty big. Yeah, he's just across from Bobby Lashley, so, so anybody looks small compared to that. But Bobby Lashley, right guy to win this. We both picked him. Uh, U.S. title needed to change. It, 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 look, I wasn't a fan of what WWE did with Theory with the U.S. title. That's on WWE, not on Theory. Lashley gotten momentum, like you said. Crowd was super into him because there's no Roman Reigns on uh, on Raw. They have a you champion. Need a, you need a top you know big guy champion like you need who who's the champion of raw and now that's bobby lashley and hopefully they they uh, hopefully this elevates the us title to a place uh where it should be so so this was great i really really enjoyed this
0: you can have riddle
1: go after this you can have aj styles go after and, it edge you know, yes and you know what else you can get what at survivor series you can get do Bobby Lashley. Oh my God, and Gunther.
0: Oh my God, you know what that would be? Do you know what that would be? What What would that be? Oh, we got two big meaty men bumping me tonight. Big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> uh, I would like to see that, please and thank you. I will take. I will take uh Gunther and Bobby Lashley. That. Oh my God. Could you imagine? I think, you know what? I think Lashley's bigger than Gunther these days because of all the weight he lost and stuff. Maybe. I think (laughs) he he is. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Lashley's huge anyway. So regardless, uh, fun match, right winner and very good, very entertaining. So let's move to the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We had Lacey Evans, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, Asuka Shotzi and Becky Lynch. Quickly on SmackDown, we had a six-woman tag team match. The SmackDown women against the Raw women minus Becky Lynch. Lynch came out before the bell to talk trash. She joined commentary. Liv half missed a tope sfida. Bliss hit a cannonball off the apron. Lacey took Bliss out with women's right. Liv caught Shotzi with oblivion and got the win in 13 minutes to a really nice pop. After the bell, Lynch did a- Big pop, big pop. Yeah, hit and run manhandle, slam on Asuka. It was a really solid promotional spot for Money in the Bank, very enjoyable. And because Liv Morgan won, It cemented to me, Chris, that she was not going to win Money in the Bank.
1: Yep. I was like, oh, this is it. This guarantees that Liv Morgan's not winning Money in the Bank.
0: She's not going to win, but they gave her a big moment. So good for her, you know? Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. This opened the show. Asuka dominated Becky as the other women grabbed ladders. Raquel tried to bench press a ladder with two women on it, but it was unbalanced. She grabbed the wrong rungs and and they fell off. Uh, Then she double suplexed Becky and Liv into a ladder. Raquel got speared with a ladder in the corner. Shotzi tripped, trying to run up up it. Uh, Four women ended up laying on top of the ladder. Lynch did a big senton off the ropes onto them. There were a couple unfortunate mini botches. Uh, Lacey Evans got booed fighting with Asuka, climbing the ladder by herself, and battling Shotzi was a defined heel. Uh, Lacey got hands on the hook when Raquel climbed underneath her. Liv touched the latch, but took Lacey off the ladder with a huge Sunset Foot powerbomb for a really big pop. The main ladder was badly twisted, but they never replaced it. They just kept using it. Shotzi missed a flying senton on Lynch and hit her head, the back of her head, directly on the ladder. It looked like she was checked out and cleared, but man, it, it looked really dangerous. Uh, Raquel set a ladder up on the ring on the announce table. Asuka stopped two Texana bombs into it. Becky then knocked Asuka onto the ladder and climbed another tall ladder at ringside to really loud chance. But she half missed her jump, landing seated on Asuka's ribs and the ladder. They both looked like they got hurt in that moment. Alexa, Lacey, Raquel, and Shotzi climbed two of the three ladders. Becky knocked them off two by two. Raquel and Shotzi had an awesome sell job hanging over the top rope like they were laundry. Uh, Lynch and Liv battled. But when Becky tried to push Liv's ladder over, she pushed herself back upright in the ladder and her own body. By getting a foot on the ropes and like repelling herself backwards, similar to the Christian spot that he did in a ladder match, I wanna say 17, 15 years ago, something like that. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Uh, then Liv, when she got back upright, knocked Becky off the ladder, climbed to the top, and became Ms. Money in the Bank. Becky lost her mind screaming at ringside, and Liv was celebrating. Backstage after the match, Liv was asked when she would cash it in. She said she doesn't want to mess this up. She only gets one opportunity. And WrestleMania sounded good, but she wanted to celebrate and just take her time. So the match went 17 minutes. And what needs to be said up front about this match, Chris, is it was a slop fest. Some of it was the fault of the wrestlers. Some of it was the ladders not cooperating. Yeah. Missed spots early with numerous people. And then Shotzi and Becky both overshooting high risk moves late. Why Becky didn't do a senton instead of a leg drop? I have no idea. In terms of booking, I was so pleasantly surprised, not just that Liv Morgan won the briefcase, but they made her look awesome in the finish with a really cool spot that was extremely risky. It could have easily failed. Plus, she took Lynch down as the final hurdle and they gave her a post-match promo. It's been, what, two years that I've been talking on this podcast about Liv Morgan winning Money in the Bank. I told you guys, I promised, I was gonna speak it into existence. Now, did I believe that it was actually going to happen? No, but you guys heard my pick. You guys have heard me talking about Liv Morgan for a very long time. Um, I'm just extremely happy that she got this moment. She is the exact right person to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. This is how the gimmick is supposed to be used. You get over a young talent who's never won a title. She was emotional. Hell. I got a little bit emotional. I was so happy for her. The fans went nuts. This is what you freaking want. As far as the match, 3.5 stars and a B. I can't get to the B plus given all the mistakes. I'll watch it again. It was laid out perfectly. The storytelling with Becky taking risks to hurt Asuka and try to escape her downward spiral. Those were great. The idea of Becky and Asuka now at SummerSlam is still alive. Liv overcame a huge obstacle. That was fantastic. The execution just was not there. Everyone except Alexa Bliss made a mistake. Still, the crowd was on fire. I loved the match. I loved the ultimate winner, and I was very happy to start the show.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe they did it. I was just like, wow, they finally did it. They've they, you know, they've given Liv a title shot here. They've given her bits and pieces, and then they kind of pull it away. And look, this is an absolutely loaded women's roster you named all the people who aren't on uh aren't available at the moment bailey naomi sasha charlotte uh you've you also uh, elsewhere had two other women's matches and yet this was still a pretty stacked group of women for the money in the bank comp uh, money in the Bank match and you've got all these former champions up and down the roster Carmella, bianca rhea ripley stuff like that and now By Liv Morgan winning this, she is you're building up yet another one, you know, who can be among this top group. So, again, money in the bank is about elevating somebody. And that's exactly what they did. So this was great. You could tell also how happy people were by just how many wrestlers tweeted their excitement Mm -hmm. for Liv Morgan winning this, including Naomi. You know, tweeted uh, a bit a heart uh, and, and tagged Liv Morgan as well. Everybody is so happy for her. Uh, the crowd super behind her. And and so they finally did it and the crowd went nuts. And then they do the last year theory match and then they go back for the post-match promo, which is awesome. I criticize WWE paper views all the time is that it's just like match, 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 match. It's done. There's no flow. There's no backstage stuff. There's no things developing. So to go back to live, to remind us, hey, she won and hey, she's all happy. Let's get some more. Let's get some more live FaceTime in the mall. Let's celebrate her win some more. I loved it. And uh, perhaps uh, cynically, Mm -hmm. I thought to myself. What if she cashes in at Crown Jewel? Oh, man. In Saudi Arabia, please. The 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 bankrollers behind. Live golf, come on. And I was like, would they really try to do something and make a connection? Am I just being too cynical here? I just I couldn't I couldn't help but think about live golf with that and all the connections and I'm like, that would be I don't know that. It's just it's in the back of my mind. And that was my thought coming out of all
0: that. Well, I I promise you I'm going to be cynical and pessimistic later. Not yet. Right. This full over the moon happiness for Mm live. But there is some cynicism coming in a little bit. Let's go, though to the Raw Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending against Carmella. Mella came out wearing green peacock feathers and a remix of her old money gear from last time she won. Uh, Mella got some kind of butterfly submission on Belair for a bit, then pulled her down from behind with the base of her braid. Belair came back with a high-step vertical suplex. Mella dodged her charge into the post. Mella trash-talked and slapped Bianca, so Belair simply hit the KOD to retain the title in eight minutes. Mella attacked Belair while she was celebrating after the bell and got a chorus of boos. So Air was clearly loved and cheered, but the energy that this show started with coming out of Women's Money in the Bank and the US title match dropped massively when this match started. I assume that's because Mella was not a live challenger and this had no storyline whatsoever. That's sure. not really their fault. Shit happens. So nope. The scheduled mm-hmm. Rhea Ripley match, it would have been a banger here, but this was hot. The post-match attack, it made me consider a live Cashin because it made no sense why they would do it. I mean, if they're going to rematch Air and Carmella at SummerSlam or do, a, I thought at the time, or do another beatdown on Raw and have Liv cash in like Nikki Ash did on Raw last year, I felt it would be such a waste. So the match grade, I gave it 2.75 stars and a C plus. It was absolutely nothing to write home about. Mella, for a while, I gave her a lot of credit for improving consistently in the ring. But she's been wrestling so infrequently and she was out for a period of time since WrestleMania that I just think she was rusty. I don't really think it's her fault, but it wasn't a good match. Obviously, there was no storyline. You know, when you take a a, a title match off a of pay-per-view and you put it on TV, this is the type of match you take off a of pay-per-view and put on TV, not Roman Reigns versus Riddle, which should have just been on the show. So I wish this Correct. wasn't on the card. But, you know, Bel Air won. That's what we needed. And it was fine.
1: I said on the pre-show, I was glad this was on the card because Bianca didn't get a title match at Backlash and her, you know, biggest selling point as a character is you watch her just do kick ass and, and you do that on the big stages of the pay-per-views. Um, I thought the promo video for this was quite strong considering there was no story. <laughs> right. And they really pushed, they've re- they really pushed this character change for Carmella. Uh, they, they said on the pre-show, the kickoff show commentary, like she's not, she's not talking about being the most beautiful woman in the world anymore. She's, she's here. She's being serious. And and you got that sense from the video. Like she, she's, uh, she's just, she wants to win the championship now. I was like, this is good. I I like this change for her. I don't think the most beautiful woman character was working and she comes out with (coughs) this new music or old music or, or something like that. And but it was different and and they
0: announced her as the most beautiful. Wait, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry.
1: And I was and I'm super into it and she gets to the end of the ramp. And I don't know if someone from the crowd or somebody throws through money at her, which is weird. And then commentary says, uh, I'm sorry, the ring announcer announces her as the most beautiful woman in WWE. And I was like, no, (laughs) she's not doing this anymore. They're very clearly not doing this anymore. Why are we still doing that part of it? So that was annoying. But I do, in general, like the character change for Carmella. Obviously, she wasn't going to win this match. Match was not great. Um, I think these two both have done better together. Uh, so we'll see moving forward.
0: All right, let's move to the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Ronda Rousey defending against Natalia. And So Natalia on SmackDown backstage laughed when Rousey said she had no charisma, pointing out her failed Hollywood career. Natalia promised to be the first one to make Rousey tap. Rousey later cut a clean promo, very poorly scripted. And that was the build, the final build for the match. I assume you have nothing to say about SmackDown,
1: correct? Nothing about SmackDown, other than I really liked the build for this. Absolutely. Considering we didn't think, obviously we knew Ronda was going to win. But the real heat and, and spice to this, like they were taking major shots at each other on Twitter, like Natalia is making comments about Ronda Rousey, believe conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Like it got, I was, I was into it and like they're friends. So like they kind of, you know, it's okay. But like, I like the WWE really let them go at it. Uh, it got me more interested, you know, in a match we knew who was going to win, but credit to Natalia and Ronda for, for making me actually quite more interested in this than I would have been otherwise.
0: Yeah. On paper an equally uninteresting match to the raw women's match. But they did so much more work to make it interesting and make it good. Again, this was planned. That one wasn't. So a lot of, you know, shit happens, Mm -hmm. right? But still, they did a great job. You are a thousand percent correct. So let's get to the match from Money in the Bank. So Natty came out in Bret Hart tribute gear and gave her glasses to a kid, which I thought was really cool. Uh, She tried an arm bar, but Rousey countered into a sharpshooter. And when she did that, she stuck her leg out and did (laughs) Shawn Michaels pose you know, with the flex, while she had Natty in the submission, that was a good one. Yeah, I absolutely popped huge. It was probably it, it, it was one of the best Ronda Rousey moments in
1: WWE inside a ring. She's it, done, it was. Yeah, she's it done a was, lot of cool shit. That popped me. It was incredible, and you just know that some heel in AEW wish is wishes himself that, yeah. that they didn't do that against FTR or CM Punk or CM Punk or Punk, yep. like that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It
0: was so well done and smart. Rousey fell out of the ring selling a knee. Natty attacked the knee. She also put her in a sharpshooter on the apron, but Rousey powered Natty backwards with her head hitting the post. Rousey couldn't get Piper's pit because of the knee. She did get an arm bar though. Natty immediately countered into like half of a sharpshooter. Rousey countered back into an ankle lock. Rousey finally caught Natty's arm between her legs while she was trying a sharpshooter and got a triangle armbar type of move for the submission win in 13 minutes. It was a well-wrestled match. I couldn't help but think the entire time, why didn't they make this a submission match as a stipulation? Both of them mm. kept saying, I'm going to tap you out. That The whole gimmick of the match was armbar ver- slash ankle lock versus sharpshooter. So why not make it a submission match? It was so strange. I don't really have much else to say about it. But the counters were well done. The storyline of the match was good. The Shawn Michaels flex, maybe, I, I think I gave it an extra quarter star just for that. I went 3.25 stars in a B. It was it was an entertaining
1: match. I really like this match. I thought this is better than anything Ronda and Charlotte have done together. I, I, uh, I Probably. I, for, um, I don't I mean, know. Considering they, I mean, they trained together, Ronda and, and Natalia. So I'm sure they're, they have a ton of chemistry together, but like, Ron, like sometimes Ronda has matches and it feels like she has no idea what she's doing out there. She looked completely comfortable in this mm-hmm. match and it made a huge difference. And I think their familiarity with each other was a big help for that. I, I gotta yeah, say like three point five stars or so. Like it, mm-hmm. it was it was really solid. I, I thought it was really good.
0: So Rousey is um, you know, selling the knee, right? And she's like leaning really on selling to, it. Really selling it, leaning onto the ropes while celebrating and it's a nice moment. She's getting cheered, you know, she's getting the face cheers. And a minute after the bell, Liv Morgan's music hits. She runs down with the briefcase, does not hesitate, cashes in money in the bank as Rousey is still on the ropes, using them to hold herself up. So the bell rings, Liv goes to attack. Rousey immediately grabs her ankle for an ankle lock. The crowd is booing the shit out of this. Liv reaches for the ropes, gets pulled back. She reaches for the ropes again, gets pulled back twice. And the booing is getting louder and louder. All of a sudden, Liv kicks out Rousey's injured knee from under her. Rousey starts selling it. And Liv capitalizes by folding her up for the one, two, three to become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Guys, that was rad. I am totally good. I'm with the smoke, right? Fist me, boys. I'm happy. I'm pumped is what I am. So obviously, thrilled that Liv Morgan just won the SmackDown Women's Championship. Rousey stood limping with the title on one leg. She reluctantly handed it to Liv. Then she hugged her really tight, raised her arm, and Liv got an extended celebration in front of the crowd. So I really appreciated the misdirection here. First with Liv's promo, and then with the post-match attack on Bel Air, making you think she was going to cash it in there. Then when she didn't, for me at least, it kind of made me think, well, that's it. They're not going to have her cash it in on Ronda Rousey. So, yeah, and Natalia's not winning. So it's going to move on. The cash in was also well done with the babyface taking advantage of a situation, but still giving another babyface a legitimate chance to fight. And with Rousey being so dominant historically in WWE, you kind of thought when she cashed it in, oh my God, <laughs> Rousey's just going to tap her out. What a waste. They're going to throw it away. The briefcase was certainly not wasted. And giving Liv money in the bank followed three of my four tenants for successful money in the bank usage. But, and it's a big but, this was the sixth time in seven women's money in the banks that the briefcase was ca- cashed in inside of 48 hours. Carmelo <laughs> remains the only woman who has held on to the briefcase for more than 24 hours. It was also the third time it happened at Money in the Bank itself. Three of the seven at Money in the Bank. And the briefcase now is 100% success rate. I don't have a problem with that. But again, part of the reason this Money in the Bank gimmick is so great is that you can write storylines for a person without a title and build suspense as you build their character and turn them into someone who is ready for a championship. So part of this whole thing was wasted for the sake of what I would call extreme repetitiveness. That said, I'm extremely happy for Liv. I did not expect her to cash in on Ronda Rousey. I just wish this played out a little bit more. It was a gift-wrapped story for them to build this over a couple months. You have her win at the Royal Rumble or Survivor Series or an event down the line instead of just getting rid of the briefcase. But I was extremely happy for Liv. The crowd response to her was huge. And they did make her a star. I mean, she was already a star. She was already super over. But between SmackDown, winning Women's Money in the Bank, the backstage promo, and cashing it in and beating Rousey after making the fans think that she wasn't going to, they made her a main eventer. And as far as I'm concerned, she is now in the bottom of that upper tier.
1: Yeah, and that tier, again, people on this roster, Becky Lynch. uh, former champions, Becky Lynch, Carmella, Bailey, Sasha, Carmella, kind of, well, former champions. Oh, yeah, but, but she's like, not, upper,
0: Carmella's not upper
1: tier. Well, but, like, there's just an incredible amount of depth here. Right? I is. mean, Ronda Rousey, obviously, like, and 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 now you, Asuka. Bianca uh, Belair, Rhea Ripley, yeah. Bianca I mean, Belair, Rhea Ripley, like, and, and now Liv Morgan is in this group of, a, as the champion, like, that's really really cool now when her music hits by the way ronda incredible job of selling she did in the match and in the post-match and right when Liv's music hits you see you see her go shit <laughs> <laughs> great camera work great production on that and you know Liv runs out and gets her in the ankle lock, pulls her away from the rope. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're real. I was like, oh, my God, they're really. They're, this is this is where they pull live back from everybody, just like they always do. And they're going to try to turn her into Daniel Bryan or something like that. And they're gonna, and I, I don't think it's a good way to do that. And she kicks the knee. She gets out. She gets the win. And i was like, oh, man, they really, really did it. I mentioned earlier about all the wrestlers who were tweeting about her winning money in the bank. Kevin Owens tweets it like all caps. Fuck yes. When when she wins. Xavier Woods had some stuff. Kevin Owens was dunking on some guy who had tweeted on him that, that, that live would fail to cash in. Uh, So that was awesome. Absolutely. hundred percent happy for live deserves to be in this group of, of champions on this roster, but everything you said was true about this happens all the time. And sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's not last year. Nikki Ash wanted cash it in that day or the next day, the next night on raw, she cast it on Charlotte flair. And we all said, what the hell? This is a terrible idea. You need to build Nikki Ash up. And it went terribly. And they told the story backwards, which is, which was what between Nikki Ash and Charlotte, it was a mess. Liv Morgan is someone you could take time to build it up and you could do a lot of things with it. So, but this is one that's okay to, to do it quickly, I think. The the momentum of people being behind her after winning it, uh, it's it's good. I just hope there's a plan now. Like, you can't get these people, that, you know, Nikki Ash cashes in the next day. She's the champion. Then what do you do? Uh, I don't know. We do the Charlotte thing. And it, 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 But she's already the champion. So why is she trying to stand? Like, it it didn't work. So now that she's already the champion... You got to have a, a plan here. And that that's where I'm concerned. <laughs> Me and too. So, and someone tweeted that they're concerned that. Well, wait, hold on. No,
0: don't don't. I don't want to hear what other people say, because I want to tell you what I'm concerned about.
1: Okay. It's probably going to be what you're concerned it about. It probably but is, that-
0: but I don't want someone else that we don't know saying it. I want to say it. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you go, you go. Yeah. F that person, that random person that you're about to read. So I would normally, so there's a couple things. Okay. Coming out of this one, I would normally suggest when dropping the title that Rousey about to take a few months off. But the problem with that is they have three stadium shows coming up. Yes. Two of them that they're selling tickets for SummerSlam and uh, uh, Clash at the Castle. And you would presume maybe she wouldn't show up at Clash at the Castle, but you would presume that she's going to be at SummerSlam. You would you would think that at least. Right. So that's concerning. And I have
1: concerning concerning as if you think Ron, Look, is yes. gonna take the title back.
0: I, I have pessimism okay. and, and skepticism and cynicism here. I can use isms, plenty of them. I can keep going um, that this is going to be a four week title run for Liv Morgan that she's going to lose to Rousey at SummerSlam and Rousey takes the title back because you have to believe they need to get the championship back on Rousey so they can do the Becky Lynch match, whether maybe it's the raw title and she beats Bel Air for it. I mean, there's a million different ways they can go about it. I'm just saying eventually they got to get the title back on either Rousey or Lynch for them to do a match at Uh, WrestleMania. But even worse, Chris, Rousey in four weeks, not ideal, would be upset. It would feel like Big E. I would just be very disappointed. Even worse.
1: This is the one I was going to say. Would be
0: Charlotte Flair returning. Yep. And beating Liv Morgan for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yep. Could you imagine? I I don't want to put a damper on this night. We're very excited for Liv. I'm very happy for her, like professionally. But could you fucking imagine? them booking Charlotte Flair to come back and and take the title offer. I, I swear it would be one of like, it would, it would be one of the most tone deaf, idiotic bookings that they could do of all time. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I don't want to be unnecessarily pessimistic glass half empty type of guy. I really don't, but man, it it just feels that way. It feels like it's going to be Rousey or, or Flair I guess Bailey could be in it, too. It would be way less of an issue if it was Bailey, given she's so dominant. She's been gone for so long and people love her and and they have not overpushed her historically. But if I had to predict right now, I I have to be the pessimist at SummerSlam. Liv Morgan loses the title to Ronda Rousey or Charlotte Flair. That's what I'm saying. I hate it. It
1: it it would explain why she cashed in right away. It would if if you just want her to be a transitional champion. And I really hope that's not it. Look, we we live has improved so much in the ring. I'm still not sure if she can handle a you know a, a solo promo in the middle of the ring quite yet. But the fans love her so much, and I just really hope they see that and understand that. And this isn't a of one off like Liv really deserved this moment. You could tell by the reaction of the fans, the reaction of the wrestlers. Everybody felt she deserved this. Now. Stay with that energy, stay with that momentum, like just go with it, lean into it like you did tonight. I hope they do.
0: I do as well, man. Um, oh, man. Such a great night for Liv. Let's keep it going. Let's you know what? What, what do I do? I spoke it into reality, right? Her winning money in the bank. Yes. I'm going to speak it into reality. Liv Morgan is going to have a multi-month championship run. And we're going to we be go. th- we're going to be thrilled with it. All right. We're going to be very, very excited for Liv. Morgan. Absolutely. By the time she loses the title, which is not going to be at SummerSlam. It is not going to be anytime soon. Liv Morgan is going to be a long-term SmackDown women's champion. All right, let's move to the final match of the card. Uh, believe it or not, uh, we've already talked about so much. And the, you know, spoiler alert, the best match on the card we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, the Undisputed Tag Team Championship, the Usos defending against the Street Profits on SmackDown. They didn't ask them anything segment. Kayla Braxton hosted like a two-way interview segment in the ring. The Profits were asked if they lost their killer instinct. And then they were asked, is it true that you guys aren't getting along? They said, dirt sheets were probably at fault for the second question. The Usos said the Profits are like them, great but they're just not exactly on the same tier. Then they each said each other's catchphrases and did a face-off in the ring. It was a convoluted concept for a segment when a straight promo would have been far better, as evidenced by the final moments of this. The intensity at the end was great. The rest of it was a waste. And this is really the main point. If the profits are gonna break up, I get it. It has not been rushed. They've been together for a very long time. But WWE giving it away By beating us over the head with the bullshit people are saying comment rather than making it a natural surprise or something that develops over time where one guy you can see is slowly getting annoyed at the other one where they keep screwing each other. It is so eye rolling and pathetic and it's treating your audience like they're a bunch of morons and I hate that bullshit. I don't hate if the Street Profits break up. It's going to happen at some point or another. I do hate the way that they're kind of teasing it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> not even teasing it the, the Beating real us over the that, head with it. Yeah, the real point of that segment was to tell us hey they're about to break up like that that's that's what that was that was uh very frustrating knowing the segment didn't do anything else it was a weird weird setup and all that um and look th- there was not much of a build to this we didn't really expect a title change it really didn't expect a title change right after they told us hey they're probably gonna break up so uh it was a strange it was a strange go home for sure.
0: All right. So let's get to the match again. on Undisputed Tag Team Championship. Usos Street Profits. So the Usos got a new AR graphic similar to the one that Roman Reigns has. They're just standing there. It's awful.
1: <laughs> I mean, no, th- the, the previous one was really good.
0: What do you mean the previous one?
1: The the previous the, with the spinning stuff going on, the Usos had a really good yeah, AR. Yeah, it used it to be good. This one sucks. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's They're just standing there. They stick their fingers up in the air. I mean, like, every like, there's a lot of people that have cool-ass AR graphics. Roman Reigns and the Usos, the most important group in the company, doesn't have good AR graphics. It's, it's insane. Uh They also cut a short promo before the match, and they said nothing. I didn't understand why they did that. Uh, the Prophets then went old school, entering through the crowd. Montez Ford had an incredible moment, screaming with a kid, getting the kid really excited. And then before the match, commentary again mentioned the not-getting-along bullshit about the Prophets, <laughs> Both teams also had new gear that looked awesome. I just, I was so frustrated that they keep beating us over the head with the exact same thing. Uh, That, the two things that they're beating us over the head with right now are that and man, the main event to SummerSlam, last man standing match. That makes a great opportunity for someone to cash in the money in the bank briefcase. Those two things, they've each said them now like five times. So in in terms of the match, uh, Angela Dawkins quickly hit the anointment after the bell, but the Usos dipped out before the frog splash. Montez Ford then did suck it on the top rope like he was doing the the chops with the crowd chanting suck it like six (laughs) times. I tweeted at that moment that it looked like he had gained 25 pounds of muscle. He just looked like such a beast. And Pat McAfee, literally two minutes later, said the exact same thing as my tweet. I just thought that was funny that like we noticed the same thing. Uh, Dawkins and Ford each got beaten extensively in the ring with the ring cut in half. So they each got kind of singled out for a long period of time. Ford finally battled back with a rock-style open hand and vertical suplex on the apron. Dawkins got the hot tag, hit a tope cannonball into both osus at ringside. Uh, He leapfrogged Jimmy, hitting a flying elbow, spinning splash, step-up enziguri, and corkscrew neckbreaker, half those moves I didn't even know he could do, for a 2.5. Then he did a double shoulder tackle at ringside. I thought it was one of the best hot tags of his entire career. Tez blind-tagged himself in. Dawkins pounced Jimmy into a great back body drop for a 2.8 and this is awesome chance from the crowd. Dawkins blind tagged and Ford hit the flying assisted blockbuster for a really big false finish. The Profits went for the blockbuster again, but the Usos put Dawkins into the post and did a double super kick for a 2.9 false finish with a great kick out from Ford and another chant from the crowd. Ford countered the pop-up attempt into a Hurakarana. Then he threw both, both Usos outside and hit his flying tope cannonball over the ring post. Dawkins hit the anointment, and Tez hit the frog splash on Jay for a broken fall at 2.99. All four guys then squared off and got a huge cheer. Dawkins ate a super kick at ringside and was thrown into the timekeeper's area. Jimmy got a blind tag for a double super kick and then the 1D on Ford for the 1 2 3 to retain the titles in 23 minutes. After the bell, it was shown on replay that Tez's right shoulder was clearly off the mat to the point that any good referee would have seen it. Commentary pointed it out. The Profits saw it. They got pissed in the ring. It was clearly part of the storyline. This was one of the best WWE tag team matches of the last five years. The finish was a bit slow with the standoff, but it was expert. Let me stress expert match booking, storytelling, and wrestling. It was a classic tag team wrestling match in every way. Dawkins was the clear MVP. Ford was fantastic, though I didn't understand why he ended up doing Suck It a hundred times during the match. It was non-stop, and it's not his gimmick. What was the point of doing it? Um, The first set on the ropes when he did it was cool, but then it just got to be repetitive. Really, I just wish, the only thing I would have changed in this match, I wish the finish came as part of the sequence of false finishes, instead of it slowing down, them squaring off, and then it just kind of happened. So I'm right on the border here between 4.5 and 4.75. I was going back and forth, breaking it down again. I'm gonna lean 4.75 stars A+. plus. There was enough meat somehow left on the bone, despite that quality match, but with that finish to do a rematch at SummerSlam and possibly change the titles. Maybe the whole they're not getting along thing is a swerve to make us think they're going to break up when they actually beat the Usos. I don't give a shit either way. Run it back. I want the same match. Five more minutes at SummerSlam. A plus.
1: Loved it. What did I say on our Twitter spaces pre-show? I said, these teams have wrestled quite a bit with each other. But it's never felt like their best effort together. And you feel like that these two teams have certainly have the abilities to put on a banger and they were just waiting for the stage to do it. That's exactly what we got here. This was an incredible match. This was one. this was one of those classics. And and it the athleticism is out of control from all four of them. They just all bring something and it works. And, you know, Usos and New Day is like a legendary rivalry. This is not that. But you do stuff like they did in this match and it can become something like that. The, the pacing was great. It just built and built and built and built and just got progressively bigger as it went on. Just it's different than a lot of the AEW tag team matches you get, I guess, outside of FTR. Um it, it it just kept feeling bigger and bigger and bigger as it went on. And by the end, the crowd was just going absolutely berserk for it. Uh, Usos, they need to be in that conversation among the, 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 the group that we consider the greatest tag teams of, of all time. Just the number Agreed. of classic wrestling, classic bangers that these guys put on Time after time after time, they do not get enough credit for, for for what they've done. And they haven't gotten enough credit for what they've done in this current run because they've been overshadowed by Roman Reigns the whole time. Mm-hmm. But they they are one of the best ever at breaking up a pin at the last second. They're all the time. There was great camera work after the, the frog splash. You had the one, two. You don't see anybody in the camera frame, and you're like, wow, this is this is it. The last second, I don't remember which one to the use it was, comes in and just nudges the guy, breaks up the pin. Incredible stuff. Uh, I, I'm probably going to say 4.75 because of the finish. To credit of WWE, yes, it was obvious that his shoulder was up, but the referee positioned himself. Yes, agreed on the complete opposite shoulder. So he couldn't really kind of see it. So they, you know, if that's what you're trying to do, that's how you do it. And I hope that that result means we run this back at SummerSlam and do this again. Because now we know these guys can put on a certified banger. And I think that that's a great, SummerSlam match. If if you want to throw in new day, make it a triple threat with the, with the, with these, uh, with these teams, I I could do that as well. Um, so I, I hope that's what it is. I hope it's not, Hey, we do this again on raw or something like that the next day. So we'll see uh, definitely match of the night. You know, it's the last thing we're talking about, but this was, this was, this was tremendous, tremendous, tremendous uh, pro- professional wrestling.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's really all that needs to be said. It was awesome. I'm very curious to see what happens. Uh, You know, I guess on, they're technically a Raw tag team. So Monday night on Raw. Very curious to see how they follow it up, what they do on SmackDown. And the build to SummerSlam is off and running. You know, um, Let's not talk too much about SummerSlam because we do have content that we, of course, need for our Tuesday WWE show. And we do have one more thing to talk about before we get out of here tonight. But, two, two,
1: th- two, th- two more things to talk about with Money in the Bank that we'll get to.
0: Uh, go ahead.
1: W- what do you got? One is, I just saw this now, uh, Corbin attacked Pat McAfee after the show. Yes, and accepted his accepted his uh, SummerSlam challenge.
0: Do you think uh, so, so? I saw that. Well, Do you think that should have been on the show? I think no, because you want Theory to have the moment.
1: No, I I wouldn't have done it on Money in the Bank. I wouldn't have done it on SmackDown.
0: You would have saved it for Friday. Okay.
1: Yeah, or done it on the previous Friday. Um, also, uh, the well, let me, I let me, I was going to talk about that no no yet. the same okay. same topic here same topic here go for it, go for uh, it. I mentioned earlier. That McAfee and Triple H and Stephanie and Nikon showed up to the UFC uh, event. Uh, Someone else uh, noted that Pat McAfee was wearing a neck brace. So So he's selling it. it. So shout out to Pat McAfee for selling the Corbin attack while going off to a UFC show. Absolute props for that.
0: Well, you should also note Vince McMahon is also at the UFC event. So Vince, Nick, Stephanie, Trips, Pat, all there. Uh, there's also yeah. a rumor report that Brock Lesnar was in Las Vegas, obviously did not show up at Money in the Bank. Maybe he's backstage at UFC. Maybe he was in the crowd. I haven't heard anything or seen anything about him being there. Obviously, I'm not watching the pay-per-view right now, uh, 276. But what I can tell you is Israel Adesanya, who is my favorite UFC fighter, and if he wasn't, he would have become that tonight. He made his entrance to the main event of UFC 276 tonight, doing the full Undertaker <laughs> entrance, the hat. The urn, the lights, the music, the whole deal. Uh, Adesanya has previously spoken about going to WWE at some point. And let me just tell you, the guy's a freak for real. Like Javon Curse freak. Uh, I I would love him in WWE. And we do have stuff to talk about on the Tuesday show in terms of people who just signed with WWE, uh, one from the social media world, one from the uh, combat sports world. So we'll save that for Tuesday show. One more thing to talk about, though, before we get out. And we get into our post-match grades. After the tag team championship match, there was a dark vignette that aired mostly in black and red. It featured a guy walking in loose gloves and boots that seeing those, it looked exactly like The Fiend to me. Mm -hmm. However, there was a cross. There was a bunch of mossy stuff going on. A lot of crosses. And then there were a lot of crosses. And then we saw a Latino Heat Texas license plate, mm-hmm. Dudley Boy's glasses, mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy's armbands, mm-hmm. a gold medal, two. and a cu- two gold medals, and a couple other things. And I saw some people, because they saw the gold medals, thinking, well, Gable Steveson. No. That was my first thought. They're not doing Gable Steveson and doing this. What it was, what I think it was, and what listeners pointed out it was, I first tweeted, Holy shit! Bray Wyatt's coming back because you can't blame me for initially thinking that when I saw the gloves and the boots and the red and the black, it made all the sense right. in the world. Plus, Wyatt just changed his name to from Windham to Wyatt Six on Twitter, so you're thinking, oh my god, they're actually building for his return. Anyway, once I saw the the screen caps and once I went back and watched frame by frame, I also took a screenshot and tweeted it. It's very clearly Edge, um, maybe brewed version of Edge. I think they purposely included some elements to kind of make us think and talk about. Maybe it's Bray Wyatt. Don't have much doubt in my mind about that. But everything here told me this was like an Edge promo return package going from Judgment Day Edge to Brood Edge. And that's the guy that we're going to see come back and take on the Judgment Day and do whatever the hell he's going to do at SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, I could, my first thought was Gable Stevenson. I, I was like, I, I don't really know. But, but then I was like, but why are the Dudley glasses there? Who else would it be? I didn't I, I was thinking someone who's not kind of been actively involved, but when you tweeted that it was Edge, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's 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 definitely Edge. Um so yeah. Interesting. I thought it was it was a very good vignette, one that you had to go back and rewatch you and did, pause yeah. things. Uh so it, it was uh cryptic for sure. And I, I like the commentary, it was just like, Well, that was weird, I don't know what that was, and then moved on. So uh
0: yeah, it was good. I think they almost made it too obvious because everything was so blatant—the Dudley Boy glasses and, and this and that. It was just so blatant in your face that you're like, "Oh yeah, that's Edge." And
1: not, but not at
0: first. Not at first. I had to rewatch yeah. it. I had to. Re- I thought it was Bray Wyatt, and I got really excited. But that also tells you, like, the number of people who said Bray Wyatt initially. It tells you how much, you know, momentum that it, guy would have if yeah. they decide yep. to pay him and have him return he's st- you know he went and did acting and the thought is he's going to go somewhere maybe it's AEW WWE did release him after all but man if they were smart they they need an injection of life in the in the product and Bray Wyatt bringing him back and letting him do something that's not the fiend it would be really exciting so yeah. anyway that is everything that went down on WWE Money in the Bank which means Chris we are left to deliver our final grades for the show and as always I will start With the listeners, the getting overheads, then Chris will give his grade and the Silver King will wrap it up with his own grade. Of course, I'm talking in the third person there for no good reason. So uh, the listeners, I asked, what is your final grade for WWE Money in the Bank? And despite that one person who said he dropped it, a full letter grade (laughs) because theory uh, won at the very end. Here's the breakdown. 40% A, 46% B, 6.6% C, 7.2% 7.2% D to F, which I just think, I mean, you know, occasionally a show can be so bad that you give it that grade, but there was so much greatness or goodness in the show that to give it a D or F, they either overreacted to the main event or they're trolls, I, I can't imagine. So 41%, 46%, let's call it 77%. C, uh, that's a tough one. I guess that rounds out to a B plus. Right. Like yeah, I a think 89 so. out yeah. of 100, I would call it. Right. Yeah. So we'll go ahead with B plus from the listeners. Chris, what is your final grade for WWE
1: Money in the Bank? This is so tough. And normally it's hard for us to kind of make these grades, you know, relevant to connected to other grades we've made. I forget month to month when I graded the previous show. But we had a pay-per-view one week ago. We did. Forbidden Door AEW. We both gave that an A, a B plus, an eighty nine out of a hundred. It's basically what we both did. did.
0: We say B plus instead of A minus. Yeah, I think you're right. We did. Yes, yeah. we were right. We said eighty nine that... ninety. We said yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, we were right on that edge, and we went with with B plus. And I liked everything on that show. Really liked everything on that show, but there was nothing that really mattered. Right. And there weren't really. Stories, and it was missing big names. This show, also missing big names. I also liked everything on it. Everything other than Bianca versus Carmella kind of mm-hmm. being whatever. Everything was really good. You, you, we, we liked the winner from the Women's Money at the Bank, and Liv Morgan cashes in. I liked Ronda Naomi. Usos' profits was great. Lashley versus Theory was great. The men's. Final match was great. I like the winner of the match. So like, it feels like comparing Money in the Bank to Forbidden Door is like two completely different types of shows. Really,
0: Night and it, day.
1: It, it's all. It's like it's not comparable. It's almost like they're two different things. And that's I'm why it, we. And, that, and that's
0: why I think it's fair to say that we don't grade shows. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's worth clarifying for anyone who's a first time listener. We don't grade shows just on. What is the work rate? And I don't grade matches based on just what is the work rate. It's storytelling, it's how it plays into the bigger picture, it's entertainment value overall. So there could be two shows that are drastically different, which Forbidden Door and Money in the Bank were drastically different, but can both be graded high or could be graded low for different reasons. I'm sorry, go ahead and continue.
1: Yeah, the, the wrestling in Money in the Bank was was very good. The wrestling in Forbidden Door was great. Right. Money in the Bank. Gave us some moments. It gave us Liv Morgan winning and then winning. It gave us Austin Theory winning. It gave us a U.S. title change. Um,
0: a gr- amazing so, tag team championship match.
1: Yeah. So we got e- even if there wasn't a ton of story, great storytelling moving into it. There there was some stuff there. I'm right. I, I think I'm right again on that 89, 90 B plus A minus range. And I think I'm going to go a minus. I think I'm going to go that 90 just because we got things that mattered. That's always my biggest thing with wrestling shows is I want things to matter. Something happened. So I got to tune into the next day, the next show to see what happens. And we got a lot of things that mattered. We got, a U- we got a U.S. title change. We got a SmackDown women's title change. We got a controversial finish to an awesome tag team match. And we got a men's money in the bank winner. You know, it didn't have the star power, you know, that so, I like I said with Forbidden Door. The A version of that show is the same show, but you got CM Punk and Brian Danielson and MJF and, and and some of the other new. But no,
0: no, there. It's it's no. The A version of that show is the exact same show with the exact same people with storylines that make you care about well the no
1: matches. i i i think if you had a little bit more star power it would be bigger in the same thing. but i'm with saying this. even if
0: you didn't if you right. didn't have the star power but they gave you I'm, more I'm saying, line, I'm saying
1: for me yeah
0: i'm, well, I'm and, saying and, for and, you no and, no i'm saying for you because one of your criticisms coming out of forbidden door and we're not trying to do a wwe aew uh, comparison but one of your criticisms was there was really nothing ex- like the matches were really entertaining but there was right. nothing exciting from a storytelling perspective what i'm saying is if there were semi-long-term storylines or things that made sense in the greater context. And it wasn't just, here's one person, here's another person, or whatever. The, oh. It was an 89 is what we gave
1: it. So it would be, yeah. it would have gotten to the A- minus range with yeah. just a little bit more. I'm, go yeah. ahead and, I, to, I don't to we, want to interrupt I, I, you too I, much, but I just want yeah, to- Yeah, what clarify. I'm saying is the A version of that show is largely that same show with bigger star power. The A version of this show is this exact same show just with some more star power. So I'm going to say a minus certainly well above the expectations we had coming in, uh, which was a B and we don't really need to talk about it as much, but like, that's basically how that's basically what all of pro wrestling is right now, which is not great storytelling week to week on TV and then really good pay-per-views.
0: A lot of of stuff is right now. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. My fault. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the stuff that happened on this show did fit within WWE storylines and storytelling, so I did appreciate that. And the match quality, with the exception of Bianca Belair Carmella again, not really their fault. Um, and the women's Money in the Bank match, which was not bad by any means, but it was just sloppy, it was really unfortunate. I thought that match was gonna blow the men's match out of the water. And I was completely wrong about that. So those matches not being great and considering it was only a six match card, it makes being an A plus or an A, it's just not possible. And I do think that the disappointment that I had with Theory winning, again, not them choosing Theory to win, but within the context of them having him win, what happened on the show, how they've booked him, all that type of stuff. That to me did kind of bring the show down a little bit, but I'm in the exact same zone as you are, clearly as the listeners are. And it's where I was at the end of Forbidden Door. 89, 90, it's it's right there. And it's very difficult to kind of decide. I guess what maybe puts it, slightly over the top and gives it a 90 is these three things that happened on the show. Liv Morgan winning money in the bank, Liv Morgan becoming SmackDown Women's Champion, and the Usos and the Street Profits knocking me out of the park, like knocking me, the Silver King, out of the park. It was so much better than I thought that match was going to be. And, and again, both of them are great tag teams and all four of them are very good entertaining wrestlers. But that was the match of the night. To the point, Chris, I think it could be argued the men's money in the bank could have been the mid-show main event, and they could have main evented with the tag team match. Because, um, the, because I think people would have gone home happier
1: coming out of that match. Yeah, In in hindsight, yes. On paper, it would feel weird. Agreed. If, Agreed. If we were starting the match with that, you think the Street Profits are going to win, you think Roman Reigns is going to show up, you think something. Uh, in the end, you're right, but in the moment, it would have felt weird.
0: So I'm I'm right there with you, and I mean, I hate to, like, I wish I could give this, I don't even know what you would call it, uh, uh, 89.5, right? Because that's what I truly believe. I believe it's right on that that line between the two shows. On one hand, I'm it feels strange to grade it higher than Forbidden Door because Forbidden Door, the work rate was just astoundingly good mm-hmm. throughout the entire show. But on the other, I really didn't give a shit about much of the, most of the things that happened in that show. And I'm someone who likes New Japan, who used to watch it semi-religiously and who really likes AEW too and, and obviously really likes WWE when, when they let me. Uh, so, and this coming in, I had no expectations for this. But they just surprised me in so many different ways. So I think it's only fair that I give it the same grade that I gave Forbidden Door. I don't think it was necessarily a better show. So I'm gonna be 89 out of 100, a B plus. But again, we're we're picking nits. It's right on that line. Listeners, you and I, we all agree. It was a very, very good premium live event. And it continued a trend of WWE delivering in the premium live events, even when the TV shows, the build to them, the match card is disappointing where we say there's no way this is going to be a good show. And, and we didn't say that going into this. But in the past, we have and we say that's no way is going to be a good show. And it ends up being a good to great show. The lone exception was the Royal Rumble this year. And we mm-hmm. may not have liked the booking at day one and we may not have liked booking at other periods of time. But this was, again, WWE giving us a special event and absolutely delivering
1: yeah look we we both we also both had the same pre-show grade for forbidden Door, which was a b there was not a good build to that either right um so i i don't know if this is just the new norm for wrestling where like tv's just not going to be great week to week in terms of stories but then when they get the big show they'll they'll deliver maybe i don't but both companies kind of feel like they're in kind of a weird spot here but we're, we're a month away from summertime, 28 days. So there's no time to kind of dilly dally. A lot of important things happened on the show and we should immediately get into the fallout and what's next uh, on Raw. So that, that's exciting. Uh,
0: what do you think about Saturday uh, premium live events? I, I'm not a fan. I like Sunday night. I like that it's the end of the week. I know it's a holiday weekend. Um, I, this just it feels weird for us doing for me doing this on a Saturday.
1: I like it except during football. Season. <laughs> during football season. Right. Because and it's going to totally mess up our lives. Yeah. Because we because we cover college football and there's a lot going on.
0: There is. Uh, but, maybe maybe but we'll I'll, talk about that on Tuesday's
1: show. But bit. like but like me being up late, you know, getting a beer. I'm like, I can sleep in tomorrow. I, 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 I like it. You know what? AEW's a, 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 done a lot of Saturdays and I like those too. Yeah,
0: well, AEW, we're up until 3 a.m. Well, we're up to 2 a.m. Taping well, the show too. and then 3 a.m. Me cutting it. Um, yeah. At least we're wrapping this up at a, at a relatively reasonable hour. Uh, Chris, anything else that you want to say uh, coming out of Money in the Bank? Or should we just save the rest of the ammunition for Tuesday's show?
1: Happy for Liv Morgan. Really happy for her. And um, not looking forward to the main event of SummerSlam. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, we will bad. get into all of that. We'll give our first uh, impressions on the build to SummerSlam. Of course, everything that goes down. Monday night on the first Raw coming out of Money in the Bank. And we have a ton still to talk about from SmackDown this past Friday. All of it on Tuesday's WWE show. That will be the next edition of this podcast. Of course, next week we'll also be back on Thursday to talk AEW and NXT. We have two big shows coming up next week. Make sure you do not miss them. I know it's a holiday weekend. Please, please, please. Stay with us through this very busy week. I want to thank Vintage Cristonini once again for joining me late night for WWE Money in the Bank Instant Analysis. I want to thank all of you who are listening to this before you go to bed the next morning on Sunday, maybe while you're around family on Monday, July 4th, you just can't really stand it. So you decide to listen to the Silver King and Vintage, whatever the case uh, we're glad to be here for you. And I hope you guys were entertained by this latest instant analysis edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, which reminds me, by the way, on the way out of here, you guys should know that this podcast. All about so head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave a five star rating on Apple. Also leave a review. Let everyone know why you listen, why you subscribe, why they should do the same. The ratings, the reviews, super important. And we read all five-star reviews live on the show. So please, please, please leave those. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast to participate in the polls, join our live shows, uh, interact with us during all the major pay-per-views and TV shows. And hey, you just learn some stuff along the way too. So follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. That is it for tonight. Let's close it down. I hope everyone in the United States has an enjoyable, long holiday weekend. Everyone else around the world, thank you for listening and enjoy your weekend as well. For Vintage Crispinini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein, leaving you with three final words. Bye for now.